Welcome to the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we have a very special guest, longtime friend, hero to me, father figure, a molder of men, high school basketball coach, Art Gonzalez. Thank you so much for joining the show. Derek, it's a pleasure. I mean, I hadn't seen you in a while, and it gives me an opportunity to catch up with you. Yes. So thank you for the invite. Great excuse to be together. Um, you, you know, and I, I mentioned to, this to you before, but your influence over men like myself, um, the way you shaped us. I, I describe my life at maybe as a house. And in my house, I have a foundation, you know, the foundation of my youth. And I feel like that foundation that is me, there is a coach Art Gonzalez fingerprints all over that, that foundation because you've gave me principles. When I think about you, you're always under control, um, always uplifting, gracious. I don't think there was ever a time I could think of in the four years we were together at Highlands High School that you ever were condescending or ever were arrogant or ever were disrespectful. I think um, I can probably talk about you for quite a while. So we won't spend all the time talking about what I admire about you, but I want you to know how much I admire you as a man and how much I respect you as a leader. Well, thank you, Derek. I tell you what, if I wasn't all that my mother and father would be all over me. So, uh, <laughs> but I appreciate those kind words and yes. uh, always a, a pleasure to come back and talk with the former students and players. Yes, I'm excited. I'm excited. And even talking briefly before the show, I know you have so much content that people can learn from and benefit from the principles. I think people that are basketball players, people that are coaches, people that are teachers, I think just people in the community can take principles that you offer and use those to elevate their life and to pick people up. Well, uh, that's what teaching and coaching is about, mm -hmm. uh, is to help those that uh, you are instructed, you know, to 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 lead. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what I enjoy doing. And to this day, I mean, there's always uh, uh, with grandkids, hey, you there's always a teachable moment that that you want to be able to express yourself to them and tell them, hey, this is the way it needs to be done. Yes. yes. And we, so when you think about um the people tuning in, there might be some people that, that, that know you and know your journey, and there might be some people that don't. So I, I want to get a chance to learn how you became the head coach at Highlands High School, because I was there from 2000 to 2004. But I know there's so much more to your journey than just that little segment when I was there. So how did you become the coach there at Highlands? Like, take me back. We could go back to your your playing days or we could start at your coaching days, wherever you want to take us. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't know if there's enough time, Derek, <laughs> but, but we'll, we'll make an attempt here. Well, I graduated from Uvalde High School. I played uh, football and basketball and did a little track, but I wasn't fast enough. Okay. Um, so football and basketball were my main sports. I had two outstanding coaches, mm -hmm. Coach Marvin Gustafson, who's already passed, you know, rest his soul, and uh, uh, Jerry Comlander, who was my basketball coach at Uvalde. Mm -hmm. And I excelled a little more in basketball than I did in football, so maybe that's why I, you know, became a, a basketball coach. Mm -hmm. So uh, my first yearning to be a coach was, uh, I, I guess, during my sophomore year in high school, and that has stayed with me. Yeah. For, I went to Texas a&I in Kingsville, mm -hmm. uh, got my degree, and my first coaching job was in Luling, Texas. Wow. And I was um, ninth in JV boys basketball coach, eighth grade football coach, and eighth grade track coach. Oh, wow. They were stretching you thin <laughs> back then. I'm telling you, hey, those small schools, <laughs> they need you to do everything, yes. even drive a bus. That's so, right. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
from Luland, I went to Jefferson High School. I was there for two years. Mm -hmm. Then I uh, went over to Harlandale for two more years. And uh, my wife's from Del Rio. I was fortunate enough to go to Del Rio and be the boys basketball coach there for three. Mm -hmm. Then uh, came back to Highlands for one year, 80, 82, 83. And then I uh, took the basketball job at Burbank High School. And I was there for seven years. Then back in 1991, I came back to Highlands. Oh, and so okay. I was there from then to 2004. In 2004, I went to Alamo Stadium as assistant athletic director. And I was there to 2010 when I retired. I see. Okay. Now, what would you say has been the most rewarding part of your leadership journey, whether that's coaching or any other role that you've had? Gosh, I'm, there, there's there's quite a few. I, I think maybe uh, uh, trying to get the best out of kids, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, trying to teach them, you know, what's right, what's wrong, what's fair, right. you know, uh, hard work, make sure that the, there's hard work. One of my favorite sayings was, effort gets results. Mm -hmm. And if you don't put any effort into something, the results aren't going to be very good. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, uh, those are the main things. And, and, and trying to better myself as a person, mm -hmm. as a father, as a husband, wow. and and uh, um, uh, just things along those those lines and in, in, in trying to to show that, hey, life is great, life is beautiful, mm -hmm. and it's what you make it. Mm -hmm. Now, it's interesting, you brought up the family outside of coaching, and there, what I've seen, there's so much sacrifice that takes place from these coaches, that sometimes when you're a student, when I was a student at Highlands, so I, I don't think I realized the sacrifice that the coaches were making in their personal lives, and so I had my own personal life, and I realized there are jobs out there where it's eight to five and it's over, you're done, your, your, your job stays at work. Now, when you think about sacrifice, what did that look like for you in your journey? Well, let me tell you, I guess maybe it was my seventh or eighth year in coaching and we already had our, our family, started our family. My wife uh, said, you know what? We had our, our, our children involved in, in um, other sports, basketball, uh, soccer, mm -hmm. and she was taking them to all these practices. And she says, you know what? I can't do this alone. Wow. And I says, you know what? You're right. Uh, I'll get out of coaching and uh, that way I'll be done after school and I can help, you know, with whatever needs to be done around the house. Mm -hmm. And so that's the way I stay till the next morning. And um, I have a beautiful, lovely wife who uh, mm -hmm. is, is understanding and caring. Yes. And, and I mean, smart uh, man, smart uh, man. <laughs> anyway, the next morning she says, you know what? Uh, I thought about it. Stay in coaching. Mm. You won't be happy. You know, wow. uh, you know, so I will I will handle this. I will take care of this, you mm -hmm. know, in the meantime, you know, you do uh, what you need to do there. Wow. And, and so, um, I mean, I was doubly blessed, you know, yes. and understanding and caring uh, wife. And uh, she was she was um, father and mother to our mm -hmm. kids while I was still in coaching. So yes. uh, I owe a lot to, to her. And yes. and to, to this day, she reminds me, hey, remember now? I, <laughs> I says, I remember. So that, and then, you know, you, you take a lot of your weekends, you know, especially after, after, after school is out in the summer that you have your teams involved in tournaments and, mm -hmm. you know, you have basketball camps and, mm -hmm. you know, so you're gone a lot. And, and, uh, uh, those are some of the things that that uh, 
that uh, people don't see. Right, know, right. People don't see. But... They might see the practice. They see the games, but that they don't see. Even if it's film, they don't see the interactions. They don't see the conferences that some of the coaches go to. Um, all of the additional um, responsibilities that come with the role. And and you were teaching and coaching. Right. You know, uh, well, at Highlands, I was fortunate enough to be in the gym. Mm -hmm. I had uh, physical ed. So uh, uh, that wasn't nearly as um, uh, uh, stressing as being in the classroom teaching, right. you know, a core course. But but still, you know, uh, you needed to have uh, parent conferences and mm -hmm. and uh, uh, call home uh, uh, after hours, you know, visit with parents. But uh, uh, yes, there's a lot that goes in, in, in the coaching that's that's, you know, um, I guess in, in the background you don't see, you know, mm -hmm. keeping up with players' grades, picking up with their, uh, keeping up with their behavior in the classroom, and mm -hmm. and uh, things of, of that nature that uh, uh, maybe others don't do. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, it is a, um, a a a trying and you know sometimes st a stressful, you know, uh, uh, job. But mm -hmm. uh, but if you love coaching, if you love working with kids, if you love the challenge. Hey, I, I'd recommend it to anybody. Come on now. Come on now. Well, um, I love that you praised your wife. And I think there is so much sacrifice that goes on um, on the other side of the marriage, right? Because people will see you coaching and they'll see you practicing. You'll see you leading this group of young men in the sport of basketball. Um, but then they may not see everything that your wife is doing behind the scenes in your family. And it's such a powerful principle, I think, when somebody talks about their spouse supporting their dreams. I know um, this past year, after a seven-year career in the insurance industry, um, my wife and I were thinking about this new venture. And we were thinking about um, coaching and speaking, well, business coaching, you know, working with leaders, um, leaders and leadership and then speaking interviewing like we're doing now and we were we were wrestled we wrestled with it we prayed about it we were there was fear there was worry because there's there was one avenue that's super comfortable you know i've been in insurance been in operations have a leadership role it's comfort the pay is nice but i felt called like what i'm supposed to be doing with my life is primarily speaking coaching and interviewing this is this is my calling. This is my purpose with that divine touch. But having a spouse, my wife, um, being, she was more enthusiastic about me changing than I was. You know, I had more reservations and typically it's reversed and I'm a little more adventurous. But she was like, no, look, insurance is great. It's been good to you. Nationwide has been good to you. But what's going to help the most amount of people? And what's going to be the most fulfilling? And it sounds like um, you had a spouse who helped identify what's going to be most fulfilling to to you, and was willing to make the the sacrifices to make sure that you were you were in your calling. And she did that. Let me tell you a funny story. Um, we dated for six years, my wife and I. Uh -huh. We we met in college, you know, and then uh, four years, and then two years later, um, uh, she said. Um, you know what? I almost didn't marry you because it, it took you a long time to, to propose. <laughs> but anyway, I says, well, because I wanted to make sure that you were the right one. But, okay. but in doing that, I says, now, look, I want you to understand something that here's coaching. Back then, we didn't have the five days in Christmas that you can't practice. Mm -hmm. I says, uh, with basketball, uh, there's no there's no Thanksgiving. 
and there's no Christmas or New Year's. It says because we've got we've got games, we've got practice, we've got games. So I just want you to understand that you know that if that if you can you know um, uh, handle that, and uh, if you agree to that, then hey, I think I think we're we're gonna make a a great couple. Right. And he says, well, uh, I think I, she's also a teacher. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's it kind of we had the same holidays. We had the weekends and except when basketball season started. Mm -hmm. So she agreed to that. And, you know, here we are 44 years later. 44 you know, years. 44 what years a later, beautiful we're, testimony. We're, we're, we're yes. still uh, uh, negotiating. <laughs> <laughs> so... I love hearing that. I love hearing, well, 44 years, that is praiseworthy, noteworthy. I want to be like you. Hey, we're six years in, and we have, what, is that 30, uh, 38 years to go to get well, to 44? Well, hey, you'll get there. <laughs> hey, you'll get there. Just, you know, learn to give and take. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. Now, you said y'all were dating. So you, you, you are were dating in college or after college, or how did that? All during college. Uh, mostly off and on, you know, but um, uh, we kept in touch. And then, you know, we graduated. She was teaching in Del Rio, where she's from. Mm -hmm. And I was in Luling, Texas. Mm -hmm. And so finally, you know, uh, uh, Ju July the 5th of 1975, uh, we uh, got married in mm -hmm. Del Rio, Texas. All so, right. Okay. Well done. Now, when you take it back to your journey and you think about the person who most influenced you to become a coach, um, who was that? Well, it'd have to be my high school coaches, uh, Coach Gustafson and and mostly Coach Kamalander. He was my basketball coach. And as I said earlier, I was a little more successful in basketball. Now, um, I played football. I was tight end. Tight end. And okay. I was a defensive cornerback. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, I guess – Football prepared me for basketball, and basketball prepared me for football. Yes. But anyway, Coach Kamalander uh, was uh, the guiding light, so to speak, as far as me getting into coaching. Mm -hmm. And uh, once I decided that that's what I wanted to do, I never looked back. I mean, I says, uh, even to this day, you know, we have I have lunch with him and another uh, wow. high school uh, uh, teammate uh, wow. that, that we meet. You know, but um, he was. Uh, I have to take it back a little further because. Uh, my father was uh, at only a fourth grade education. He was a hard worker. Mm -hmm. And so he, I guess, you know, uh, set the, the seeds for me of, of, hey, this is what hard work is. Mm -hmm. And this is what hard work involves mm -hmm. and what it entails. And here's the end result. Yes. So um, if you want something, you got to work for it. You know, nothing is given out. So my dad, that combined with Coach Kamalander's, you know, uh, was coaching and uh, uh, again he was uh, he was a stern man but but quiet under control and uh, knew how to get the most out of his players and so uh, he's the one I attribute to uh, me getting into coaching. Mm. Now, when you when so you said you knew you wanted to coach in your sophomore year of high school. That was you. you hey, this is it. This is what I want to do. So then you went to college and then was, what did you study in college to help prepare you for that next step? Well, you, you know, of course, the first two years is nothing but the, but the basics. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to take your English, your, your math, you know, your history, mm -hmm. you know, all your basic courses. And uh, funny you ask that because there was out of my class in Uvalde High School, there was um, about six of us who had talked about being coaches. Mm -hmm. And out of those six, only two of us became coaches. Oh. 
you know, others changed in the middle of the, of the road there. I mean, the middle of the stream. Hey, no, this is not for me, you know. And, and I guess they were smarter because they went business you know? <laughs> and, uh, and ended up making a lot of money. But, but hey, money's not everything. That is right. You know, but uh, anyway, uh, you take after the basic courses, then you go into the coaching of football, the coaching of basketball, the coaching of track. So a kinesiology degree. Exactly. Okay, perfect. And um, what when you finished that degree, um, what was your family's response? Uh, well, being the first one on my father's side, first one, uh, on the, the first one on my father's Big side, time. and probably the third one on my mother's side. But mm-hmm. on my father's side, I was the first one to to get a college degree, and. Uh, uh, my dad didn't know that I was going to be a teacher and a coach. He just mm. thought, hey, I was going to go into business mm. or be a lawyer or something, sure. you know, that brings in some money. But but anyway, he was quite surprised, you know, when he found out that I was going to be a teacher and a coach. But uh, my mother said, hey, that's what he wants to do. And that's that's OK with us. That's right. So um, but I, I, I'm very thankful that my father enabled me to go to college. I, uh, I there are no college loans that I had to pay back. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, him and my mom were able to to save enough and and scrape enough mm-hmm. money to send me to 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 college. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was very grateful for that. And and the rest of my family on my father's side, they all uh, they all were very proud and and happy. And you know, uh, 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 so was I, of course. You know, but uh, that that uh, added to the joy a little more. Sure, I think it's one of the most powerful components of life in a leader's journey is their legacy and and the path they give for people coming next. And when I think about you, well, of course, I know your legacy from a Molder of Men as a coach and shaping the, the future generation, but then even seeing that in your family going, well, there wasn't anybody before you when it came to the education side on your father's family, but you being able to be that example, that trailblazer, if you will. I'm gonna tra- I'm gonna blaze this trail and set an example for my family to follow. Well, um, I guess that continued when I started working on my master's. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, believe it or not, uh, right after I graduated and I was in Luling, Texas, I started my master's degree at Southwest Texas, now Texas State, mm-hmm. and. Um, after my first summer session uh, that I started, um, I got a job in, in uh, Jefferson High School here in San Antonio. So I had a drop. I dropped my master's program. You know, I think I, I lost, you know, uh, 12 hours that oh, I'd already taken. No. So anyway, that was back in 77. Mm-hmm. And I didn't start on it again until 1988. Wow. And I started my master's in 88. I was at coaching at, at uh, Burbank High School, and I would go on weekends and during the summers, and I got my master's in a year and a half. Wow. And uh, so uh, my kids uh, got to see that, and, mm-hmm. and now uh, one of them's got his master's, and I'm, hey. I'm pulling for the other two to get theirs. But, but anyway, I guess like you said, hey, after you see somebody you know, do something, they, they, they are a little more encouraged, I yes. guess, to— to, to follow the same path and and uh, and so I'm happy for my youngest son Michael who who got his this past December. Love so, that. Uh, but like you said, it's it's setting examples, mm-hmm. setting examples, and and being the the best that you can be mm-hmm. um, at being a father, at yeah. being a, a husband, at being a teacher, at being a coach. Mm-hmm. When you think about, I think about your legacy. I think about it's before I even knew the concept. It's it's being gracious, and you have. 
a gracious, I, I, I could remember you coming down the hall and I had a bag of hot Cheetos in my hand and you'd come by, you know, you'd say some, some nice and uplifting to us, pick, pick a hot Cheeto out, you know, <laughs> and then eat it and then you know, keep, keep on going. But again, I don't know if there was ever a day I've ever saw you during those four years of high school where you weren't uplifting and gracious. Where do you think you picked that up from? Again, a, from, from upbringing, my mother to this day, uh, bless her heart, and uh, I thank God that my mom is still alive. She'll be 89 in September. Wow. She still drives, drives. but, but uh, she was always this person who greeted you with a smile in the morning and, uh, and, uh, and uh, put you to bed with a, with a kiss at night, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, uh, and she said, you owe everything to Almighty God, mm -hmm. and don't ever forget that. And uh, don't forget to be considerate about others. And then for a while there, um, uh, for about a year, I lived with my grandparents, my maternal grandparents. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, they were older, more mature. And, and they, too, were very giving mm -hmm. and very understanding. So uh, I have to say that my grandmother, Soledad uh, Rodriguez, was... Uh, gave me a lot of a lot of that, you know, and uh, and my dad was also uh, a jokester, I guess you could mm -hmm. say. He was always trying to 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 uh, make people laugh, and 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 so I guess a little bit of the, of that, and and again, hey, uh, sure, you can wake up every morning and look at all the negatives in life, but right. but what what good does that do? That's right, you know. So uh, uh, better to be happy than to be sad or angry, and. Well, that's what I try to live by. Sure, spot on. I, I do want to. Uh, there's a few of, of your the players that played for you that wrote on Facebook, and I told them that you were going to be joining the podcast, <laughs> and they, they they put a few questions. So I want us to be able to to turn to those. Maybe the first one we'll we'll read from is from Chris Ray. He said, "What was the toughest loss you experienced as a head coach, and what did you learn from it?" Gosh. Well, of course, there's been several. There's been several tough losses, but I guess the biggest one was I was coaching at Burbank, and uh, we were the second-place team that year in district, and our first opponent, or our only opponent at that time, was going to be East Central. And back then, East Central was averaging 100 points. Whoa. Over 100 at, at points. At high school at, level. At high school level, 100 points a game. And so... Uh, we worked all week in trying to slow it down and mm -hmm. making the extra pass and, you know, uh, looking before we passed the ball because they, they were a swarm of bees. They were all over. They trapped you all over the floor. Well, anyway, uh, got down to the game. It was going back and forth, back and forth. And um, with about a minute, two left in the game, it's tie game, 75-75. And my best player, Humberto Saravia, mm -hmm. is at the line uh, shooting a one-and-one. And... -one. Mm -hmm. and uh, my assistant coach asked me to call a timeout, and I didn't want to call a timeout because I didn't want to freeze my own player. Right, right. You know, uh, he was my best player, best free throw shooter, mm -hmm. and so he's at the line, and well, he misses the front end of the one and one, and mm -hmm. and of course they get a shot and miss. Well, we're going in overtime, and um, um, with a time running down, we lose eighty one eighty, and. Uh, uh, unfortunately, we didn't get the last shot, but uh, but anyway, uh, that that was tough. And that we had the leading uh, scoring team on the ropes, and uh, we let it slip through, and uh, uh, it was tough. It was tough, but nonetheless, I was very proud of that team. Mm -hmm. Very proud of the players. You know, hey, uh, we had an incredible 
you know, here that year in, in, in district. And uh, uh, I always remember that one. Uh, I guess others were in the playoffs. We lost in the first round uh, to several Northside schools, you know, uh, uh, to mainly Taft, Jay, and Marshall. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Holmes was another one. But, but uh, like I said, uh, uh, that's part of coaching. That's part of the game. And uh, you just have to learn to 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 get through it and 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 uh, let your I get your gut feeling. You know, uh, tell you what what you thought you did wrong. But yes. as long as the players tried and gave it their all. That's all any coach could sure. ask for, right? Now you brought up the the north side. I think there's something there's something there. Um, when you were coaching, what? So you were 14 years at Highlands High School, yes. and then before that, so regarding the district in that side of town, you, it, was, it was more years than just 14. How many total years were you on the southeast or south side of town? Well, uh, let me take you back. I was two and a half years at. Uh, Luling, I was two years at Jeff. I was two years at Harlandale. Mm-hmm. I was three years at Del Rio. I was seven years at um, Burbank, and I was fourteen years at Highlands. Okay, so we're talking twenty plus years. Thirty years coaching. Thirty years coaching. Twenty plus years on the southeast side of San Antonio, specifically. Did you ever consider some of the a north side coaching opportunity? And if so. Um, Yes, well, if yes, if no. Well, of course. I mean, you always want to see where, you know, the greener pasture is. But they say if you water your side, it'll get greener. So right, right. Uh, I remember one year when I went to Harlandale, um, Clark had just opened up. Okay. And the the head coach at Clark called me back after my first year. My first year at at, uh, at Harlandale, we were 1-27. Oh, that, that's I'm, rough. I'll take it. Back. I'm, I'm sorry, three and twenty-seven. <laughs> but I'll tell you about that. Those three games were were one against the same school, and it was East Central. I was back before they were, you know, uh, uh-huh. the big school. Uh, well, anyway, at the end of the year, the coach from Harlot from uh, Clark calls me up. Says Art, I know you had a disastrous year. You know, we'd like you to really come back to Clark. I mean, to come to Clark, you know, and, and be my assistant. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, Coach Grimes, I appreciate it. I, I'm flattered. However, after going three and twenty-seven, I can't leave here. I mean, it's not right for me to leave. And so the following year, we were twelve and eighteen, hey, and uh, did a lot better. But uh, yeah, uh, of course, you know, you want to go where you have better facilities. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, not necessarily better players because those they're developed. Mm-hmm. You know, but. Uh, uh, Facility-wise, you always want to go where you have an air-conditioned gym. You have more than just one gym. You can have two for uh, to be able to share. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I loved uh, coaching in the, the southeast and the south part of San Antonio. I, I could identify with those kids. You know, mm-hmm. it was kind of the way the way I was raised, the kind of the way I grew up. Sure. You know, and uh, uh, I have no doubts and no regrets about not going to the northeast or north side. Mm-hmm. In you, you brought up something fascinating, I think, which is about the facilities. And so you've, you know, thirty years into it, what can you what can you say about the drastic difference in the quality of facilities from one location to another? Well, uh, one of them, the biggest one in South Texas, is air conditioning. 
Mm-hmm. Now I understand that Highlands now is air conditioned. Hey, we got that now. It, it <laughs> wasn't. It wasn't when I was there, mm-hmm. or when we were there. But but anyway, the air conditioning is one. It's is uh, although some coaches say it's a detriment, and because mm-hmm. people get uh, players get used to that, and when you go to a hot gym. But anyway, that's neither here or there. Uh, and a place to practice. You know, I mean, sometimes we only had an hour or an hour and a half because. The girls were coming in behind us, mm-hmm. or or we needed the JV to practice, or or the freshmen to practice. Whereas if you go to to a, the school that has two competition gyms, mm-hmm. then you have an advantage because hey, you, you have a little more time, plus you have a little more space, mm-hmm. you know, and you can do a lot more things. Mm-hmm. So when you're limited to one gym, you know, for what six six different teams and if you had a sophomore team that's seven teams right. you know it's kind of it's kind of hard it limits your your time that you can have with the, with the mm-hmm. and i remember i don't know if you remember this but there was a time period where you know we had basketball as a class but then there's a time period where it wasn't even every day it was like a every other day yes. and again th- back then as a as a student i don't know what's normal until I get older, I'm not in high school anymore, and I talk to people, and it's like, wait, y'all didn't even have the basketball class every day? It was every other day, which it, it just throws – could, I could see how it could throw off the momentum. Well, yeah, I think that uh, when we first started with that, I think we had a, a, a time period where, where we could meet every day, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and then it tapered off to where they, they, they dropped that. Mm-hmm. But for, the, for a couple of years, we were able to meet at least an hour because classes were an hour and a half, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and so you could go an hour, and that and that was that was about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that 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 was a hard situation, and that you couldn't meet with your students every day. You couldn't meet with your athletes, and and you know at least you know tell them at least tell them hello, you know, and right. and uh, how's your day going. But uh, uh, those those situations are tough. Mm-hmm. Now, when you think about the expectations from a coach even administratively and the stress that comes on that side of it i know you mentioned going three and 27 what is what is that stress and pressure like for people who don't who haven't coached and who don't know the pressure that comes from you know, even just keeping your job what, what is that um that pressure and stress like well uh a lot of times people don't know that that maybe administrators uh or uh, a board would expect more, and, and this is mostly for schools that are maybe a one high school town, where there's a little more pressure. And I've been, you know, uh, in several of those situations, and uh, uh, and it's tough because hey, you're talking about you're, you're talking about your livelihood, mm-hmm. you're talking about you know supporting your family, and and uh, if somebody tells you, hey, you got to win X number of games to keep this job, wow. you know, it kind of you know, you kind of start thinking, man, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. And and uh, uh, that kind of stress, you know, is added along with with the the, the stress of competing against your opponent. Mm-hmm. And uh, 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 I would always try to tell my players this is that, hey, look, it's hard enough competing against our opponents without having to fight amongst ourselves. That's right. You know, but uh, the stress uh, with coaching uh, it, it becomes tremendous at times, and and a lot of coaches sometimes, you know, kind of uh, uh, give in to that stress and mm-hmm. do some things maybe they shouldn't do, sure. simply because hey, they they want to keep their jobs. Mm-hmm. It's it's a 
it's intriguing to me to consider the person behind the coaching job because you can see a coach sometimes and you can see maybe anger or you can see rage or you can see sometimes you see some of the unpleasant things, but sometimes it's important to remember what's contributing to that behind the scenes and to be told you have to win a certain amount of games. You're I imagine in the leadership role, you're asking, what do my players need to see more of? Do they need to see more passion, more anger? Do they need to, you know, you're willing to, um, to try out different things in the name of winning. Um, but it's, it's, it's crazy to think about. Um, I think it, it causes me to have more empathy and compassion um, for coaches that have these expectations that oftentimes the public doesn't know about. You know, uh, um, I'm grateful that I only had experience that one time. Mm-hmm. But I have a friend who was also a coach. And unfortunately, his board member uh, put undue pressure on him not so much number of games, but hey, you have to win the district championship, Ooh. okay, to keep your job wow. because uh, that's what we are and that's what we do. Or if it wasn't the district championship, at least the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You got to make the playoffs. So, um, yes, unfortunately, there there's situations that uh, that is still happening, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, but that's I guess that's the nature of, of the game. Mm-hmm. And maybe we hit this already, but I know another question Chris Ray asked was, what was the the worst part of coaching? To be honest with you, it's the parents. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering if we were going to touch that or not, but hey, keep it real, keep it real. I tell you what, uh, it finally got to the point in my career, you know, uh, I would always tell our parents when we had our parent coaches meetings, Mm -hmm. is look, uh, I can meet with you anytime you want, as long as you set up an appointment. But the thing that we will never discuss is your son's playing time. Wow. Okay. I see your son every day. I know what he can do. Mm -hmm. I know how he is. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I am the better judgment as to how much he plays who plays mm-hmm. and 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 so that's one thing that we will never discuss if, if you want to meet with me about yeah. your son wow you know other than that hey we can talk mm-hmm. but uh but uh fortunately enough i didn't have very many mm-hmm. you know uh, parent conferences you know um at least not in my la- latter part of my career mm-hmm. early part of my career yeah they always wanted to talk about hey my son you know made this team and he made that team and he's an all-star mm-hmm. here and and uh, but parents fail to realize that you know, uh, uh, and I know because I had sons that right. that played basketball, and and I had sons that that went to that played in the in the uh, AAU and and played in the Tri City where we live, and mm-hmm. as little kids, and uh, even there I saw parents complaining. Yes. And, and uh, my best advice was the advice I said, hey, keep your mouth shut, go to the top of the bleachers, enjoy the game, <laughs> and, uh, don't don't yell out, don't instruct, don't. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I think parents are, you know, of course, I mean, uh, being a parent, mm-hmm. your kid is the most precious yes. thing that, that, that you have and you want the best for them, mm-hmm. uh, understandably so. But again, there's there's certain guidelines and, right. and certain things they have to meet, you know, to, to get there. Mm-hmm. There's, um, when I think about today and coaching today, and then how um, technology has advanced because I, 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 remember I was talking to a head coach 
recently, and he, uh, he's a head basketball coach. He was talking about the amount of messages he gets from parents, like text messages, and which that idea was like blowing my mind because I, in in my head, at least, I was thinking, well, so that's like a public thing. Like your 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 phone number is open to the players and the parents and that's just known they can contact you whenever because for uh, for and of course in my time when, when i was in high school I, I wouldn't dream of like calling you at home or something like that right or i wouldn't when we were like the we just were getting cell phones i think during that time period but it's crazy to think about the access that the parents have to the coaches these days to do more of the potential complaining or criticizing as far as what's happening with the game. Well, you know, I didn't get my first cell phone until I went to the athletic office in 2004. So maybe that was good for me. And that, mm-hmm. But yes, uh, nowadays I think that you need to get at least your phone number to the parents. And, mm-hmm. and I think maybe you need to go one step further and say, hey, unless it's an emergency, you know, um, I, I, I would not care to hear from you, mm-hmm. you know, but um, uh, it's only here for an emergency. Mm-hmm. You know, not to, why didn't my son play? Or why did you take him out? Right. Or why? <laughs> but yes, hey, it's amazing. That, and, and and it's unreal how that has exploded into, you know, uh, um, coaches, you know, getting criticized, coaches, you know, getting fired, coaches, you know, I'm not talking about high school, but, you know, coaches in general. Mm-hmm. Now, did you ever think about next level or do you ever think about the the coaching at the the collegiate level or at any other level of basketball other than high school no i i tell you what i i by that time i've heard so many stories about recruiting hey mm-hmm. yeah and you'd gone um my second after my first year of coaching my, the assistant basketball coach at a and i richard shoebrooks uh i get a phone call and i'm still single and he says art uh i'm looking for an assistant basketball coach mm. I take it back. A graduate assistant, he says, um, and uh, we will pay for your master's. And Derek, I had just gotten the head basketball job at Luling. I was an assistant, and the following year I got it as a, as a, the head coach. And I says, Coach Hubrooks, I appreciate the offer, but hey, I just got this the basketball job, and um, uh, so I turned it down. And maybe, it, who knows what had happened. I mean, hey, but from the standpoint of the recruiting you know, sure, it's challenging and, you know, it's inviting. And, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, hey, you look at it and say, man, uh, but no, I, I never did, mm-hmm. did ever look into going into college coaching. Okay. Another question from or another question. Now, this one is from Eric Ruiz. Oh, my goodness. He asked, how difficult was it to adapt your coaching to different generations because you did it for 30 years. Yes. So how difficult was it to adjust your coaching to different generations? Well, not much other than, hey, um, keep parents informed. In other words, injuries. Okay. Okay, injuries, uh, accidents. I remember one time we were in a tournament at uh, in Victoria mm-hmm. and uh, one of my players um, got cut on the elbow. And it was a pretty deep cut. They were, I'm sure they were messing around. They were in their room. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had a call call home. And sure enough, their parents showed up. And we, we took them to the hospital and mm-hmm. had a couple of stitches. You know, but but mostly keeping parents informed, you know. Uh, uh, kids are kids. You know, uh, they, will, they will do what you allow them to do. And the key word there is allow. So, I mean, um, as long as you set forth your expectations, 
and say, this is what I expect and this is what you will do, you know, uh, in order to remain a, a, a member of this group, mm -hmm. you know. So, uh, yes, you know, some parents were a little more vocal. Some parents were a little more involved, you know, but uh, uh, you had to teach kids that, hey, uh, adversity will always be in your life right. and you've got to learn how to handle adversity. Yes. And uh, I think maybe that's that's the biggest thing going on right now mm. is is uh, our young people, our, our players nowadays, they need to learn how to handle adversity. Right. You know, because if you let one thing that goes wrong set you off, mm -hmm. you know, you can let anything set you off. Mm -hmm. It becomes a habit. Mm -hmm. So uh, if they can learn to, to handle adversity, uh, that was my biggest thing. Mm -hmm. There's this memory I have of you. Speaking of adversity, is I was in sixth grade, and there was a little Al Slammers League that would happen uh, during the summer times. And uh, so it was me, Chris Rico, were on teams, um, and to uh, Tony Molina was, and uh, who was, and Adam King were actually on teams. Um, Adam played a little bit when we were um, freshmen, but uh, I remember we were playing against each other. And uh, I think we were winning by like three. We only scored like 15 points a game, <laughs> yes. so we didn't score much. Uh -huh. um, but I remember I got the ball, and, and, and uh, we were up by like three with like a, a two minutes left. And I, I shot a, I shot a three, and it happened to go in. So I was, I was like, but I remember you actually pulled me aside. You, you were one of the referees. Yes. <laughs> and you said, um, you know, like you didn't have to shoot that, you know. And, and it's, it's crazy to think about. So sixth grade, this is what, I'm 12. I'm 30. This is at a... 30, 21 years later, I remember you telling me about, you're talking to me about poise and about um, understanding your situation, knowing the time and also being, being intelligent with what you're doing. And, but it's crazy to think about that lesson of poise because I think about it for you, you embody it so well, but, but I think it's relevant with adversity because if you can remain calm and peace and aware of your situation in adversity, it can help you through so much in life. Exactly, exactly. And, and that's what I was trying to, to convey is that, hey, it, this, is, this is a game. It's a game. You know, if you can't control yourself and handle yourself in the game, mm -hmm. how are you going to do it in life, mm -hmm. in real life? I yeah. mean, in, in actual situations where, hey, you need to stop and think. And if I go this way, it's going to be the right thing to do. If I go that way, it's going to be the wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, um, that's one thing that I, that I always try to, to instill and, and, and show our players that, hey, look, you've got to get through adversity. Mm -hmm. You got to think of what you're doing, mm -hmm. you know, and then look before you pass. That's right. That's right. And, uh, and it's a beautiful lesson of adversity. And, and of course, you know, you know, my story of with, with my dad and his suicide when I was uh, uh, 17. And I know some people, you know, ask me, why, why do I bring it up the way I do? Um, because to your point, it was that adversity that I came through. And seemingly when I compare that adversity to everything else that I've been through, I know most other situations are less intense and they're a lot more easy. And, and, but if I can handle that situation well, which I don't think I did at the beginning because I remember, I remember failing in my Spanish class with the 40 and failing my pre-cal class with the 17 and, time. It was a tough and time. Um, failing um, off the track team. And, um, but it, learning how to overcome that, to persevere and to endure during that season of adversity has given me incredible confidence for everything else that I'm facing in life.
because I know most, again, 99.99% of the situations that I'm going to face in my life won't be as tough as that. But to your point, if I can be resilience, resilient through this adversity, then I'm going to be prepared for the rest of my life for problems that come my way. And I'm going to be ready to triumph over those, those problems that come my way. And here you are. Here we are. <laughs> okay. So that is fantastic. You know, but no, hey, uh, uh, I remember this from an old coach uh, um, saying, hey, if you can approach coaching and uh, coach the kids as if they were your own, mm -hmm. uh, you are going to be in a, in a much better place. Yeah. And that's the way I've looked at it as, as those players that I worked with as being my own, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and for the most part, they were. I, mean, because and I, I, I felt you know, that. I felt yeah. that you were a father figure in my yeah. life, no doubt. Well, mm -hmm. thank you. But I mean, I, I mean, to this day, I mean, I, I, I think that, hey, I, I was with you every day, mm -hmm. except Sundays, of course, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and uh, uh, trying to, to build, um, build you up, I guess, build the players up, you know, yes. uh, to seeing that they could be more than what they thought they were. Yes, absolutely. I, I do want to take us back to um, the, bu the bus driver part of your journey. Because <laughs> I remember, again, th then I didn't know if it was anything significant. When we had a, I think it was a tournament, or it might have been a postseason in between a couple of games out of town. I think it was in in um, the town just north of Austin. Is it Little? Not Little Rock. It's uh, it was in Pflugerville. Is it Pflugerville? Okay, so it was in Pflugerville. But I remember not just that time, but several other times as well. You weren't just our head coach, and then the coach of, of the our physical education at the high school, but then you were bus driver so how did that what was actually happening behind the scenes well well back then uh our transportation situation was that you had to uh, use the via bus okay to get you to to, to games and uh, a lot of times via would get there uh late and as a result you were getting to your game late and you wow. didn't have time to get dressed or or warm up or mm -hmm. uh, or you know, they would cancel you out and you'd have to wait for another bus. And so I said, you know what, uh, uh, we, uh, we need to do better. Mm -hmm. So I went and got my my uh, uh, CDL and, and bus driving. And mm -hmm. now I was able to leave whenever we needed to leave and, and go wherever we needed to go without having to, to get transportation, you know, to, to come get us. You know, so, hey, that was just another thing. As I mentioned before, when I was at Luling, I, I had to drive a bus. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I was a little aware of the situation as far as what entailed. But uh, you weren't required to, to do that. And uh, uh, I was one of, one of the first to get my CDL and, and start driving the bus. As a matter of fact, even the football team used me to, Did they? to, to, <laughs> to take them to, to, to go eat at the Highlands Cafe. <laughs> okay, there we go. I remember that Highlands Cafe. I don't, it's not still there, is it? Uh, it's still there, but I think it's under a different name. Different name. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, good. Well, um, I know we we want to be closing it up in just a few moments, but before we do that, um, I want to talk a little bit about legacy. Okay. And when you think about your legacy and um, – and for people who are thinking about their legacy and wanting to leave something behind, um, I think, of course, I think about your your children, your grandchildren, your ex-players. What does your legacy mean to you? Well, I'm hoping that it meant that, hey, 
I would uh, get our players and students to do the best they could mm-hmm. with what they had and uh, uh, think of others. Mm-hmm. Think of others. Don't just think of yourself. Thank your parents. Mm-hmm. You know, care for your brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, be considerate, of course. You know, and uh, um, I guess, like I said before, it was the uh, the effort gets results. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the the less effort you put into it, the less results you're going to get out of it. And uh, uh, I just wanted to to make sure that the that they could see that they could better themselves mm-hmm. simply by being disciplined under control, you know, and uh, and being able to think for themselves mm-hmm. instead of having some other people think yeah. for them. And, you know, uh, basically, you know, the, that was it is, is help others. Uh, we're here to help each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, that was the bottom line. Yes. Well, I love I love the idea of helping each other and even um, we you as a coach, there's competition is a part of your world as a coach. You're competing constantly. But something that I've seen with your journey and something I've, I've been learning about my own life, too, because I, I grew up playing a lot of one-on-one basketball. You know, you play one-on-one. And in that one-on-one phase of, of the sport, um, what I found myself doing is when, the, when the, my opponent is shooting, I find myself wanting them to miss. And when my opponent makes a mistake, I find myself rejoicing. Now, in one-on-one, it's completely fine and okay because they're my opponent. I, you know, their mistakes are my are are are, um, are beneficial to me. But I I've learned I need to separate that one-on-one philosophy from life because when I'm in life and my friend gets a house or my my friend's house burns down, I don't need to rejoice about my friend's house burning down. I just need to I need need to mourn with them and because. To, uh, like how you said, helping one another, um, even as coaches, I've, I know you've talked about your journey. There's so much benefit from even opposing coaches who, when you're on the court, you want your team to beat their team. Exactly. But outside of that, um, you could have a great bond and connection, and even you can open up doors for each other down the road. Well, uh, most of us that were in SAISD, uh, most of us are retired now. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, believe it or not, we still get together for lunch and mm-hmm. and reminisce and go over those things. But yeah, you know, during the game, we want to beat each other's brains out. Mm-hmm. After the game, hey, we're shake hands. You know, uh, best team won, and you know, let's go on, let's mm-hmm. go on. But uh, yeah, hey, uh, uh, <laughs> I, you, I wouldn't feel right if I did something that was. Uh, that I that that would hurt you, you know. Unless we were in the game, of course. I mean, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to hurt you intentionally, sure. you know. But I mean, I wouldn't feel right if something bad happened to you, and 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 I wouldn't be there to help offer my condolences or or whatever the case the case would be. At the same time, I would want to be there to rejoice with you, yes. if, if, you know, uh, on. Like you said, maybe the purchase of a new house mm-hmm. or the birth of a of a child or mm-hmm. uh, getting your master's right, or, right. or or getting married, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, 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 life is beautiful, Derek, and you know you you make it you make it out what you make it out to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if it doesn't mean much to you, well, that's the way life's going to be. Mm-hmm. 
Awesome. Well, um, we're going to close it out with one question, one final question from Eric Ruiz. But, but before that, um, I want you to know um, there's so much you have to offer people. Um, people know that my show, it's about showcasing people's journey, your leadership journey, showcasing your expertise, sharing principles that help other people, building up my guests and then uh, benefiting people but I just had to have a great conversation um, but I just want you to know you're always welcome so if there's ever a time you know uh, just so you know whenever you want to come back you are more than welcome to share your expertise and to benefit people that are tuning in so I want you to know that well I appreciate that Derek and I'll tell you what I appreciate appreciate you asking me to come mm -hmm. because I mean uh, you and I are on the same wave wavelength as far as what can we do to help others? Yes. You know, what can we do to help coaches? What can we do to help players? What mm -hmm. can we do to, to help, you know, anybody in life, mm -hmm. you know? And so thank you for that. And um, I'm very proud of the man that you've become, thank you. you know, uh, well, back from when you were a senior guarding the six, seven postman from <laughs> Southwest. But hey, you know, I've appreciated you and thank you. Mm. Wish you the best. All right. Thank you. No, we'll take his uh, last question we'll touch then is um, Eric Ruiz said, who was the better basketball player, um, Chris Ray or Eric Ruiz? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I tell you what. I mean, I think for those of us that know both of those players, uh, we probably would say, you know, Chris Ray was because <laughs> hey, he was a little taller, you know. Uh, but I tell you what, Eric Reese had the skills. I'm telling oh, you. Yeah, the skills. Hey, he had the skills. He had the desire. He had the motivation, you know. Now, you, you were talking about going back when you were little. You know, I, I got to see him in a in a, uh, one of those uh, elementary games mm. at, at Highlands. And yeah, I was, he was, he was hey, in that yeah, league. Yes. Yeah, and uh, uh, when he lost, he would always cry. You know, because uh, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how much it meant to him. So, uh, yes. Chris, I love you and I respect you. And uh, I also admire the person you become, you know, but at this point, we'd have to give it to Eric. Okay, so, so, so Eric or Chris? Eric was, uh, was, had the, the better sense, I guess, to, to, to a basketball sense, you know, to, mm, okay. to, to be okay. out there and, and do what he needed to do. What, what you did, though, right now is, is a beautiful thing. And it's, it's completely you because you're gracious. Like uh, I asked you a question that that has one or the other, and you find a way to lift both of them up and to build them up. That is what you do. But again, um, thank you for the show. If you're tuning in, get a chance to um, like the podcast, share it, and subscribe to it. Um, we'll get great great content like this. The Strong Life Coach Podcast. We speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Derek.